whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you. Go out into the streets and say, the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. There's a fabulous show that I highly recommend for all mankind. That is a fictional reimagination of the race to the moon. In this reimagination, the Russians beat the Americans to the moon, and the show details all of the historical events they theorize would change as a result. Reagan gets elected in 1976 instead of 1980. The progression, the accelerated progression of the ERA, and the place of women in the space program. It's highly enjoyable television. The reason I bring it up is because of our gospel's reference to dust this morning. The climactic scene for one of the main characters, a sassy, brilliant female astronaut, happens at the beginning of the second season. The astronauts are nearing the end of their mission on the moon, roaming outside of the ship and enjoying the sunrise when they get word of a solar storm. The size of a solar storm is so significant that all are instructed to take cover before it hits in order to avoid exposure to a dangerous amount of radiation. Molly, the main character I mentioned, is too far away from the base to get back in time and plans to shelter in a cave with another astronaut. Just as she makes it to safety, she realizes her colleague has been injured and won't be able to make it back into the cave without assistance. So what is Molly to do? Does she remain in the cave, ensuring her own safety, or does she risk exposure to the radiation in hopes of being able to retrieve her colleague and bring him to safety as well. Molly chooses the sacrificial path and goes after her colleague. The scene that unfolds is one of the most vivid I can recall ever seeing on television. The dusty surface of the moon begins to dance as the storm hits. As if being controlled by a series of magnets, the dust hovers and surrounds Molly while she bounds her way to her injured colleague. Ridding herself of the moon dust, simply not possible. I promise I'm not giving anything away as this is just the beginning of Molly's journey. This overly dramatized climactic moment is perhaps what comes to life in my mind's eye when returning to this morning's gospel passage that details Jesus' instructive to wipe off the dust that clings to your feet. These words from Jesus seem surprising and aggressive, given his radical welcome and extensive efforts towards integrating all into his fold. To be frank, it's a stumbling block to those of us who consider ourselves pointedly inclusive Christians. But I wonder... I wonder if the key to this meaning, to the understanding the meaning of Jesus' message lies in the dust itself. Dust carries tremendous significance throughout the canon of Holy Scripture. In the second creation story, you should go look that up if you didn't know that, there's a second creation story, perhaps the lesser known of the two, we get this account from Genesis. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. 
Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So God made Adam out of the same elements that make up the very ground upon which we stand and the very things that sustain us. Dust is something we all share in common. It is the place we come from and the place to which we will return. The matter that made the perfection that was Eden also made the beautiful imperfection that is humanity. The dust of the world is both foundational to the disappointment and redemption we know from God. And yet, the kingdom of God has come near. Perhaps this is the key to understanding Jesus' instructive to shake off the dust there will be disappointment along the way. It was in this very same human shape known as Adam that God came along in the form of his son, Jesus. Born of a woman, very much in the shape of a messy human life, Jesus is among us to make known God's eternal love. Along the way, Jesus brings into focus how deeply broken humanity has become and the power of God's love and grace to prevail. Recall with me the story of Jesus restoring the sight of the man who had been blind from birth by spitting on the ground and making mud with his saliva and dirt. The very dust of the earth is essential for his healing. For this man who had been afflicted since birth, it was a game changer. And yet, Jesus didn't heal everyone who was afflicted with blindness or even everyone who was experiencing affliction. There was disappointment along the way. And yet, the kingdom of God came near. On Ash Wednesday, we imposed the ashes from the remains of our triumphant Palm Sunday procession using these words, Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. From great fanfare to the finality of death. In Jesus' life and ministry, there was both world-altering grace and transcendent mercy that was destined to collide with the brutal disappointment of corrupt power, fear, and brokenness. The dust is a reminder of God's consistency. The kingdom of God has come near. So as we wrestle with this passage of the sending of the 70 and by extension, our own commissioning as disciples, I wonder how the scriptural reference to dust helps us to make sense of these uncharacteristically harsh words from Jesus. Oftentimes, I think we interpret this instructive to shake off the dust from unwelcoming towns as a dismissal of those who live in those towns. Perhaps we are shocked or disappointed that there is a place or a group of people whom Jesus would declare worthy of dismissing. But I wonder, I wonder if this instructive says more about those who are sent than those who do the receiving. I wonder if this is Jesus' way of preparing those who travel for all that they will encounter. Abiding warmth, disinterest, abrupt dismissal, and everything in between. There is going to be disappointment along the way. So when that happens, leave the disappointment where it came from and move 
along. There is much work to be done. The kingdom of God has still come near, even in the place where you cannot see it. The work that Jesus gives to the 70, and likewise to us, is not what I would call drive-by Christianity, conversion for conversion's sake. The work that Jesus places before them is the long, slow work of building relationships. It is a tremendously challenging task of getting outside our comfort zones and staying there. It is the discomfort of being hosted by another, not for a single meal, but for a period of time. Do not move about from house to house, Jesus tells them. Perhaps buried in this wisdom of hospitality is the reality that people are not a problem to be solved. Often in the church, when interpreting this passage, we approach evangelism as a means to an end. How do we get those who are on the outside to join us on the inside? But that's an illogical interpretation for many reasons. Chief among them being our presumption that the kingdom of God is only found within the church itself. It's really quite humorous if you think about it, how far we've come from an itinerant preacher who refused to put down roots to the sacrosanct adoration of our houses of worship. I think what Jesus demonstrates in rather stark terms in every community, and in particular those where our imaginations cannot fathom God's presence, is that God's kingdom is alive and well. The task of the 70 who are sent is not to deliver something that others are lacking. Rather, the task of the 70 is to give breath and shape to the life and ministry of Jesus, for which many had no context. This task, this life calling of discipleship and evangelism is the long, slow work of being in relationship with people. And people are complicated. But to be clear, it's also not about fixing people. Today's gospel is indeed good news, a reminder that Jesus hopes for us to be armed with resilience and to deal in mercy. It is a Jesus' invitation that we work to develop the aptitude to name and celebrate all of the moments when the kingdom of God comes near. Amen. Amen.